You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1,200. Yeah! Our 1,200th podcast. And I'm excited. We have a really good show planned for you today. Having a routine down may be a good thing. But at the same time, it leaves no room for change and opportunities. Humans not only require structure, they thrive in it. And rediscovering the art of routine can bring upon a greater opportunity. That's why I've invited Dr. Anhil Askovich to come on and talk about routineology, rediscovering the art and science of routine. We're going to call him Dr. I from here on out. Dr. I, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Rick. What a pleasure. Really uh, Um, great to be on your show. It's a very provocative thought. As I was sharing it over lunch today with some of my friends, what we we're going to be talking about today. And I'll tell you, it hit them as sort of counterintuitive. I'm sure that's not the first time you've heard that, but maybe you could give us a general idea of the main idea behind your research work and what we're going to be talking about here on the radio show today. Sure, sure. Thank you. Well, um, through, and I'll speak a little bit to the experience uh, later on, but basically the theme is that routine and being in a stable and familiar environment is actually something that we're actually wired for. And then when you look at our biology and when you look at our uh, chemistry, you look at things like circadian rhythm and the sort, you begin to realize that regularity, which is what really routine is, is something that really is more than something we do by chance, but rather that it becomes something that allows us to give us meaning and purpose in life. And that is a visual that we describe kind of as a time bubble in the book. Time being really inside the bubble, the bubble being our environment, a stable environment. So that's the theme, and uh, the concept is, as you said, somewhat disruptive, saying that possibly in today's world, uh, where there's so much change that's occurring, we're being pelted with so much data that possibly doing things on a regular basis, being on a, in a stable environment, is actually something that our own biology reduces our stress and allows us to perform and live uh, healthier and uh, better lives. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to take this down a couple layers here throughout the interview here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast, Dr. I, but I wanted to kind of take a look at you a little bit as the author of this work. Tell us a little bit about your background and and how you came to studying routine and writing and publishing your work. Sure. Thank you. Well, I had a a curious interest in philosophy early on and ended up teaching philosophy for a period of time and then went on to medical school and had interest really in psychiatry and neurology, trained in psychiatry for a period of time, and then uh, for different circumstances, began a career in emergency medicine, where obviously you are able to see quite a bit of the world and its most uh, greatest distress in individuals and patients, of course. And that interest in in behavior kind of uh, furthered me into uh, a thought about longevity. And uh, we were doing uh, geriatric uh, studies and trying to decide how to take care of older patients. And I began to study 
centenarians or centenarians, people over 100 years old. And I began to notice that it was interesting that there were two things that were in common. One, that they were in a stable and familiar environment, that being both a space and possibly community or family, and that they did things on a very regular basis. But what they did, the actual behavior they performed on that regular basis, was actually quite different. This got me to thinking that, well, isn't that the case for care of the young when we start to care for our, our children and how routine we, ha- we are? In some cases, we become habitual about it. And then I started to realize that that's really the case for people that are high performers in our world. And that really, in my background, which uh, then went over past emergency medicine to really into the uh, entrepreneurship, into the corporate executive world of healthcare management, where I ran a a billion-dollar segment of a Fortune 500 company, that this also applied to business. And this became kind of an inspiration, this insight into routine, familiar environments and how we're wired led to a science. And um, hopefully that wasn't too long, but that's a little bit of the, the history, Rick. No, that was perfect, Dr. Ryan. We're, we're talking about uh, routineology, rediscovering the art and science of routine. So I wanted to peel back what you just ended up with, which is the science of routine. How did you go about collecting the information that you write about? Well, it's, it's interesting. First part of it was that I recognized anecdotally all these very interesting stories about people that either longevity, high performers, uh, and then put it together with the science, then put it together with the science, and uh, began to understand that there's a a biology that we have, a homeostasis biology that occurs among animals, and a chemistry of equilibrium, and then you start looking at your stress systems, the endocrine system, and without getting too complex, how pituitary, the hypothalamus, and the adrenal glands work, and then this whole study of circadian rhythms and how uh, that came about. And I began to connect that all those aspects of our biology are make for great regularity, particularly the circadian rhythms, when we wake, when we sleep, when our cortisol levels are actually highest and when we're at our lowest in our abilities to perform. And that was really how uh, some of this uh, came together, at least uh, connecting the science to the stories. And we've got some really interesting stories in the book that help illustrate that. So who is the target audience for your book, Dr. I? When I began, it was really more for um, individuals, but the target audience was in these areas of of, uh, for longevity. And that obviously could be all of us, because we're all going there <laughs> sometime <laughs> in our lives. We're all going get, to get there. And uh, for people who wanted to have high performance, so there was a, a, a point of really for individuals, really in the areas of health and wellness, how to improve uh, really our lives and our health, and how to find meaning and purpose, which is, I think, an important part of routine that we talk about in the book. The other side was really that, from my experience in business, and really how you're able to develop really good business cultures and how leaders can make for the right routines which become the proper um, the proper rituals which then become the cultures of businesses to be successful what I call a, a time bubble uh, a time bubble of success 
So, you know, Dr. I, I mentioned at the open of the show about the lunch that I had and how it seemed counterintuitive. And it seems to me in this world where we celebrate disruption and where we're looking for the next innovation and we're constantly celebrating the need to recreate something or disrupt an industry, your premise of your book and your research sort of does sit somewhat on the other side of what is contemporary thinking. So my question to you is, does your research in business particularly, because we have CEOs of businesses you know, around the country that are listening to the radio show, if not around the world, I mean, but is, is what you're saying that this disruptive focus and nature on innovation can be counter to the well-being of the culture of not only the leader, but the organization at large? No, not really. It's actually that people don't understand really the definition of routine. People think about routine as being something that's boring, particularly in a meeting that just we're having a routine meeting. Routine is only about time. Routine is about doing things regularly. The content of that behavior can be very unique, and it can be a moment of innovation. In fact, innovation needs to have a certain sense of regularity on when one does that as well. So I think the common uh, terminologies are really not really understanding that um, routine is really about time and regularity in an environment and how one does that. Let me give you an example, for example, with some physiology about we used to have and uh, I developed innovation time for our group when we met. I wanted that to be on a very regular basis, and I wanted that innovation to be meaningful. Well, I was able to understand, as I think many of your listeners will, that there's a certain flow to the day regarding our biology and our cortisol level. We know quite well that from 8 to 10 o'clock is a great time to really do very task-oriented things, that our brains are up and working at that level. And then from 10 to noon, for example, and I'm speaking for in an in average type of in, business environment, is a great time to be engaging with people, whether uh, in, internally or otherwise, and being able to do, for example, sales and those types of things. Now, we know what starts to happen at 1 and 2 o'clock as our cortisol levels drop, and we start to understand that as our glucose, our temperatures drop, we're not particularly very productive around, let's say, 3 o'clock. Well, this type of biology is, is obvious in many cultures. For example, take the English who have tea time at that time to be able to re-energize themselves. Or take, for example, Spanish cultures as an example that have to actually go to sleep. All of these are controlled by the hypothalamus if one wants to know the science. And so if you understand that that's not the moment, what we would do is we would set up a group meeting, get a little bit of energy food there, and let people do innovation work. What's actually worked today? At this period of time, we would talk about what's worked today, what's worked in the future. Let's work on innovation. So in no way is it contrary to innovation because it is unique to you or to your team or to your business what you do at that regular time. Understanding that biology can really help you be successful. It's been very difficult. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rick. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, in what you're saying, how the two actually enable each other when more thought is put into kind of optimizing the normal human routine and physiology. That, that, that's quite instructive. I'm wondering if, if you might help us to understand sort of what I call the table of contents. I mean, I don't literally the table of contents, but sure. generally, 
what would a reader kind of, what's the flow of the book right well um it's really uh telling stories that highlight the principle and and speak a little bit more lightly really to the science of it because i did want it to have a, a more broader impact both for individuals and for businesses and uh it's something that starts really with a little bit of how why we're wired that way and begins a little bit of my journey in talking about longevity and interviewing some of these centenarians and how interesting their lives were. But it moves into the areas really of high performance, where we take uh, the story of the Rolling Stones, these septuagenarians that are right now actually touring and able to perform this incredibly creative uh, piece that still rings worldwide to so many, and to understand how much they have a regularity, a routine, how organized and structured to the to the to basically to the T where their backstage it looks exactly the same. When when they actually do their their um, their makeup, their dress, when Mick Jagger warms up singing for thirty minutes always at the same time and the same with dancing warm ups, for example. Or when you take um, uh, the example of a NASCAR driver uh, Jeff Gordon, one of the top five NASCAR drivers, and understand as they're moving quickly what I call the travel time bubble, because in business, and those that have been in business understands how difficult travel can be, the stress of leaving your stable environment and changing your routine, and how in those high performers, they try to maintain this routine and stable environment no matter where they go to, to where his actual van is exactly set up to the T to the same kind of environment at every place that he goes to uh, a friend of mine Angel Martinez a globe-trotting CEO for example story that uh, as one of the stories that uh, was the uh, CEO of Deckers International Ugg Boots and the sort and how important running became as part of this exercise routine in both his travels and his ability to develop discipline and organization within his businesses, and how important that organization, that discipline, became routines, which then eventually became rituals and became the culture of this company. So, so, that so it works through that. Those areas are, are probably taking you a little bit through the, through the book. And one other area, Rick, and, and I'm sorry for being as long as just is, deals with artificial intelligence. Uh, I, I'm the chair of a a board of directors of a company called Potential Analytics that does artificial intelligence and recently had a, uh, an article in Forbes that I was interviewed for and we talk a little bit about what's the future of routine in our lives regarding artificial intelligence. So that's a little bit of the table of contents. Well, that was a perfect setup. I'm glad you uh, continued to that last bit because I was just going to ask you in your research and in your book, it sounds like you might help people to begin to understand um, how technology can actually enable. I'm hoping you're able to kind of prescribe pe for people how how technology, especially this next round of intelligent technology, AI, machine learning, might actually enable their ability to put more routine and more stability into your life rather than destabilizing their life and feeling like they're less in control. Is that is that true? Well, I think that that will most likely be the future, you know, as we now are able to have such a low cost uh, of, of computer, really computer energy and computing costs have gone down and data is cheaper than ever before and storage in the sort. 
All of us know the devices that are now starting to be biometric, which actually measure us. Of course, we use a lot of these in medicine, uh, in doing telemonitoring now as we develop telemedicine. I, was, I, I developed a company in that regard. And now when you look at artificial intelligence, the ability to measure our biometric data, let's say with our Fitbits or, or, our, or our Apple, Apple watches uh, in the sort, we're able to begin to gather more about ourselves than we're actually able to understand or sense. And if we're able to know where we are and what we're doing and how our body's actually reacting, the physiology of stress, for example, we may be able to prescribe what our routines really should be and what environments we would be in that we would make for the best health, make for us living uh, healthier and more meaningful lives. That's interesting, Dr. I. Um... Uh, you are not the first guest here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast who suggests that the next wave of smarter technology, more capable, might be able to predict things about ourselves that it knows better than we think we know based on our instincts and our own self-awareness. So that, that's another data point, listeners, of uh, encouragement about how the next round of technology could be even more beneficial to mankind as it relates from your perspective. We have a few minutes left here on a critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast, Dr. Ryan. I'm wondering if you could share any advice that you might have for my audience who might believe they're an aspiring author, they want to write their first book. Any, any inspirational thoughts or words of wisdom you can pass on to them about the uh, role of being an author and writing a book? Well, I think one needs to begin with having a certain passion, a certain interest. Uh, obviously, for me, having been a caregiver and uh, wanting to do good, in the world. Uh, I've been involved with Direct Relief here, one of the top charities, and you have to be able to, to, in order to do good in the world or care, have some passion, first of all, for your subject. And then I think people don't realize how hard and how much work it really is to really, that one has to put in to create, to create a book. One has to have a good team, in my case, uh, um, Michael Ashley and Joe Gardner, uh, a, a good, uh, people to really work and, and be collaborative with. And then per the book, you have to have a good routine. You have to be organized. You have to be structured. And you have to find those moments that are really best and that you do regularly to do research or to do interviews in the case of our book or to uh, be writing. And those times may be a little bit different. There can be unique uh, to each individual, but the regularity of it, begets and it's the way we work the ability to maintain that discipline um, it's the same for individuals who are writing books or doing other other types of uh, tasks as it is for businesses interesting I always like to ask our authors about any other what I think of as kind of resources available that support the book you know things like do you have information forthcoming on a website are you out speaking on topics that build on the concepts of the book, but are there other vectors into your intellectual property around the book that our audience should be aware of, Dr. I? Well, uh, I mentioned the, the uh, a recent Forbes uh, article interview related to the routine in artificial intelligence. Uh, uh, will, will artificial intelligence tell us how to live our lives? And that's a, a recent one that one can get. And uh, I do have a web page. It's Angel Iskovich dot com and within it we have a number of resources uh 
that uh, are now being built and available. To, and uh, we're developing a few uh, white papers. I'm just in the process of finishing a few uh, PDFs and uh, some interesting uh, pieces of topics that are related to the book that hopefully will have some value for individuals and, and for businesses. And, uh, and now we've been posting little tidbits to get people interested in the book and in the topic on in um, both Facebook, uh, which it's uh, Routinology is where you would look, Routinology, and uh, Instagram, which is uh, also Routinology, and then Twitter, Dr. I, Routinology. And uh, those are the areas where we're posting now a few hopeful, interesting sayings with some interesting videos that kind of begin to give everyone the essence of, of as you said, sometimes this this thought that's somewhat disruptive in itself and seems not to to meet with our lives. But it really does. And I think we really have to understand as we move forward how important that is uh, and that maybe we're not living the lives that uh, we're really wired to live. Did you, in your research and the interviews that you conducted, did you learn anything about routines, routinology that you didn't know or that even surprised you in in kind of doing the research and then writing the book? Any aha moments during this process that you can share with our audience? Yeah, I think uh, on, on the individual basis, although I think it applies, and we were interviewing Bill Sanger, who was uh, the chairman and CEO of Envision. Actually, I worked with Bill for a number of years, a Fortune 500 company. He uh, He talked about this routine that he had from 3.15 to 4.15 in every day that he would close the doors, shut off the data, remove the sensory pieces, but not meditate, but rather just have silence and solitude, particularly if there were important decisions to be made. And I think that gave me a little bit of a ah-ha-ha about how unique I might be able to prescribe certain types of behaviors within routine. Uh, and one of those being the importance of taking some time alone, away from all the data and hyper-connectivity that we have in our lives in order to make good decisions. And that, I think, is, is something that fits very well with a routine that someone would have that would be very helpful and meaningful, as well as uh, being very fruitful uh, in, 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 in both business and as individuals. A little bit of solitude is a good thing. So that was one uh, one moment that I think uh, in in listening to these interviews uh, gave me some new insights. That's excellent. Thank you for that. I uh, I'm a big fan of the power of peer learning. I love books that have interviews and case studies and information that people can learn from other people's experiences. You know, I I think in business uh, experience is the best teacher, but some lessons are best learned vicariously through the experiences of others. And so it sounds like your book fits that um, description quite well. So, Doctor, I I want to. Thank you for giving of your time to talk a bit about your book, be a guest here on the program. You're a part of the Critical Mass community. You have an open invitation to come back, to be back on our radio show and podcast as you feel appropriate. Just let us know, and we'll see if we can't schedule you to come back on. I've thoroughly enjoyed our time together here on the radio show and podcast. Well, thank you. It's a great pleasure, and uh, I hope I've been able to add a little something to your, to your audience. Thank you so much. Truly appreciate it. So thank you. And I'd like to thank our engineer for today's show, none other than Mr. Paul Roberts, our three producers without whom we could not do the show each and every week. 
Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. If you'd like to uh, connect with me, let's start on LinkedIn. I'm Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. And until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 